Welcome to the podcast of the April edition of the Manx Sky at Night, first broadcast on Manx Radio on Sunday the 26th of April and presented by Howard Parkin. Because of the need for us to maintain social distancing, it's not possible for Howard to be in the studio as he usually is. So instead, he's recorded the programme for us at his home in Onken. We begin with some stargazing as Howard takes us into his garden to explain what we can see in the skies as the month of May unfolds. Then, after the break for music, which this time is from the Brotherhood of Man, Howard will be talking about all the latest developments in the world of space exploration. So, let's join Howard now as he explains how he'd like you to use this podcast to fully enjoy the Manx sky at night. What I'd like people to do, I'd like you to go outside and look at the sky. And maybe, listening to my words, as you look at the sky, it'll give you an idea of just what we can see as we look up into the Manx night skies. So, if you're ready, I'd like you all to go outside and just wait for a moment until you're ready and look towards the west. In other words, look towards Peel. And if you look towards Peel, you will see very easily, very vividly, this very bright object, which is, of course, the planet Venus. And Venus has been dominating our sky now for quite some time, but it has now reached its highest peak and its highest brightness. It actually went through its, its brightest on the 24th of April. Venus is a planet going around the Sun inside the orbit of the Earth and the Sun. So as a result, it gets further and further away from the Sun, and then it comes between the Earth and the Sun. And what happens as it gets nearer to the Earth, it becomes a crescent shape. And when it is at its brightest, it's a big crescent. And even though it's not a half or a full Venus, it is very distinctively uh, brighter. And it was brighter on the 24th of April. Now, throughout the month of May and the rest of, uh, of April, it's now going to drop down between the Earth and the Sun. And by the end of, of May, it will have disappeared from our skies. It will still be visible in the very, very early evening, uh, still in a light sky. But it is not going to be as bright as it has been for quite some time. And uh, what will happen now is it will pass between the Earth and the Sun in August and then it will re-emerge into our morning sky as it pulls away from the Sun in the morning sky and it will then continue to dominate our skies in the morning, which is what it will do right through until after Christmas. So lots of people will be looking at Venus and thinking that Venus is in fact the Star of Bethlehem. It's not the Star of Bethlehem. That is one explanation of what it might have been. Um, there's lots of other stories, but that's a, a tale maybe we'll do in the December edition of the Manx Sky at Night. So, if we've looked up and we've found the brilliant planet Venus, what I want you to do now is to look right up, directly up from Venus, slightly, just slightly to the right, and you'll see a bright star. That bright star is the star Capella in the constellation of Auriga the Charioteer. And if you actually look close enough, you'll see that Auriga is actually one of five stars that makes up a sort of pentagon shape. This pentagon shape is Auriga the Charioteer. Auriga the Charioteer, which represents the constellation of Erephonius, who invented the chariot. But as everyone knows, if you invent a chariot, you always carry three goats in your left arm, which is what we do when we look at the star Capella, because just below Capella, there are three very faint stars and they're called the kids. Honestly, I don't make these things up, but it's great to know a little bit about the mythology and the idea that we can look at different things in the sky. So coming round now, we're looking west and we've looked up a bit and we've found the star Capella. Now what I want you to do is to face due south 
And if you face due south and put your arm at arm's length so your fist is on the horizon and come up one, two, three, four, about five fist whips up and you will come to a star. You will come to a star that's quite bright and it is in fact the brightest star in the constellation of Leo the Lion. This star is called Regulus, sometimes called the Royal Star because it represents the principal star in the constellation of Leo the Lion. And Leo the Lion is one of the few constellations that actually looks a little bit like what it's meant to represent. If you look at the star Regulus at the bottom, you'll see that it's the bottom of a question mark, but the question mark is the wrong way around. This is because this represents the head of the lion. And if you go to the left of Regulus, you'll see a number of stars. There's probably three to the left-hand side of Regulus. These represent the, the hindquarters of the lion. So you've got the head and the hind of the lion. Very, very easy to spot and very, very distinctive in the spring skies, which is what we're really looking at now. Now then, a lot of people say to me, well, I know the stars, but I can't find the plough. The plough has disappeared. Well, it hasn't disappeared. What's happened to the plough is everyone gets used to the plough being on the horizon in the autumn months. Well, we're now six months on from autumn. We're in spring. And if you look directly overhead, you'll see the stars of the plough. More correctly, the stars of Ursa Major, the Great Bear. And it is almost directly overhead. And if you actually look overhead at the moment, you'll see there are two stars that are more or less lined up north-south. Obviously, you need to know your compass directions, but we've had west a minute ago. Regulus is in the south. So draw a straight line now to the opposite horizon, to the northern horizon, and you'll see two stars more or less lined up exactly north-south. And those two stars point down to a fainter star, but a star sitting there all on its own. And that star is the star Polaris. And Polaris is, of course, the North Star, the star that marks the centre of the heavens, the point about which the heavens appear to revolve. And that's the North Star. That star would be directly overhead if you were at the North Pole. If you went to the equator, that star would be on the horizon. And if you're below the equator, you will, of course, not see it at all. So now, having found quite distinctively and quite easily the stars of uh, so major or the plough and the, the, the north pole star now i want you to go back to the plough and look at the plough and look at the handle look at the handle of the plough the classic shape of the handle which if you're looking directly overhead you'll see quite clearly all the stars of the plough are the same brightness apart from one the one that's uh, in the in the top left hand corner of the bowl if you look at it in its traditional shape now what i want you to do now is to follow the curve of the handle down Follow the curve of the handle down and you'll come to a bright star sitting there all on its own. This is the star Arcturus. And Arcturus, slightly orangey in colour, but Arcturus represents the principal star in the constellation of Boertes. And Boertes is the name given to the herdsman. He's got two dogs to his left-hand side, Canis Venacity, and these two dogs are two of the four dogs we have in the sky. We have the two dogs of Canis Venacity, and we have Canis Minor and Canis Major, which are setting in the southwest at the moment as the stars of winter are disappearing. But go back to Arcturus, and you'll see quite clearly that Arcturus is very much on its own. But if you look very closely, and if it's a clear night and there's no moon around, which hopefully there won't be when you're looking at this, the crescent moon will have gone by now. Um, if you look for an ice cream cone, an ice cream cone lying on its side with the star 
uh, Arcturus being at the very bottom of my ice cream cone. Well, that is the stars that make up this shape of the constellation of Boertes, the herdsman. If it looks like a herdsman to you, well, I suspect you've been drinking too much. But now what I want you to do is to go back to the plough, go back to the handle of the plough and follow the line down to Arcturus. We remember that as astronomers because we arc to Arcturus. And now follow that same line down until you come to a star on the southeastern horizon, sitting there on its own, not particularly bright at the moment, not compared to Venus, which is in exactly the opposite direction. But that star there is the star Spiker. And the star Spiker is the principal star in the constellation of Virgo, the Virgin. And this is, of course, the second of our major winter, uh, winter, spring constellations. We've had Leo, we've got Virgo down there as well. We've also got Cancer, we've also got Libra. But these are the main constellations of the spring. The constellation of Leo and the constellation of Virgo. And I'll speak more about Virgo next month when Virgo is a bit higher up in the sky. And we can start to see some of the features in it. Because you know, if you look at the constellation of Virgo, we're looking at lots and lots of other galaxies, way, way out beyond our own Milky Way galaxy. And the bowl of Virgo is a fantastic sight for a small pair of binoculars, or better still, through a nice telescope. So there we have it. That's our night sky, very roughly, just a quick, quick, very um, look at the sky. We've got Venus, we looked at the star Capella, we looked at the stars of um, Leo the Lion, we've looked at Arcturus, we've looked at Spica, and we've looked at the Plough. But what I want to finish off with is just go back to Venus for a moment, go back to Venus and go back to the star Regulus and draw a line between them. And you'll see that more or less, um, not quite in the same line, but just above that line, there are two distinctively bright stars on their own. These two stars represent the stars of at Gemini, the star of Castor and Pollux we're looking at at the moment. Easy to remember because Castor is the one that's closest to the pole star Polaris we mentioned a moment ago. And Castor is, of course, we, we like to say it's the Castor upon which the heavens revolve because you imagine the distance between Polaris and Castor. It's not that far. And as a result, imagine a wheel underneath Castor as the, the, the heavens rotate amongst us. The one to the left of it, slightly lower and to the left of it, is the star Pollux. And slightly different in colour, slightly orangey in colour compared to Castor, but noticeably just about a little bit brighter. But those are the stars of Gemini, and Gemini represent the last of our winter constellations, which are now setting in the western sky. So say goodbye to Gemini. This time of the year, we are more or less lost the stars of Gemini. Orion and of Taurus. Uh, they've gone uh, just about visible, but you can spot one of the other remnants of our famous winter hexagon I talk about quite often, and that's the star. If you follow, go back to my two stars of Gemini, come down towards the horizon, you'll see a star on its own again. This is the star Procyon, and the star Procyon is, of course, the principal star of the constellation of Canis Minor, the little dog. Canis Major, if you've got a very good South, uh, southwestern view, you might start to find the star Sirius on the horizon. I can't see that from my back garden, but Sirius is, of course, the dog star, the brightest star in the constellation of Canis uh, Major, the big dog, and, of course, the brightest star in our night sky. So, basically, Venus is more or less, it's coming out of Taurus at the moment. We've got Taurus, we've got the stars of Auriga, I mentioned a minute ago, and to the left of that, we've got the stars of Orion, uh, Sirius down the bottom there near the horizon, and we can see quite clearly Procyon, and of course the stars of Gemini. 
So there you go. I hope that's given you something to look for. As I say, the best thing to do, because we can't guarantee it's going to be clear tonight, uh, whether it is or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, we will be putting this on a podcast and hopefully you can listen when we get a clear night. But remember, I'm looking at the sky for roughly 10 o'clock at night for this time of the year. The sky does move at four minutes a day. Four minutes a day, the stars rise four minutes earlier. That's because the Earth's going around the sun. And that four minutes means the stars do change not that rapidly, but there will be changes. So by the time we get round to the end of May, we'll now have the stars of Virgo dominating the southern sky, and we'll talk about that then. So in the meantime, a nice song for us now, and I'll speak to you after the break. Bye-bye for now. enjoyed that song we just played i thought it would be something entirely appropriate that we could play given the current situation we're in and if we all continue to work together hopefully we can get through this together and return back to some idea of normality but this is the time of the show when we look at what's going on in the world of space exploration and yes space exploration goes on regardless what's happening here on the earth and uh, it's very strange when you consider that three astronauts returned back from the international space station only a few weeks ago 
when they were launched into space many months ago, as it was, respectively. Some were up there much longer than the others. But when they came back down to Earth, what a different world they found than what it was when they were launched. On the other hand, three of us went up to the International Space Station um, literally a few days ago, and they hopefully will be coming back to a different world uh, when they return back to Earth in three or six months' time, respectively, depending on which individual we're talking about. But when we look at the world of space exploration, as I say, things have got to carry on. And we've had two very significant anniversaries over the last few months, which I mentioned very briefly last month, but it's worth featuring them just again. We had, of course, the anniversary of Apollo 13, the famous um, mission that turned into a successful failure. Uh, if ever there was a mission where literally people were on the edge of their seats looking, the three astronauts, Jim Lovell, Fred Hayes and Jack Schweigert, very, very nearly did not make it back to Earth and they would have been the first ever fatalities in space. Thankfully, they did bring them back. And as Gene Kranz, the flight controller at the time, said, failure is not an option. And that was indeed the case. They brought them back safely. And um, it is often regarded as one of NASA's most important and dramatic uh, missions. If you look at the top 10 of NASA's greatest missions, yes, you've got Apollo 11 and things like that on there. But the Apollo 13 mission features very highly indeed. So that was 50 years ago in April. But we've also had, at the end of April, literally just a few weeks ago, uh, we had the launch of the Hubble Space Telescope in 1990. And this turned out to be another, almost a failure, because there was a huge problem with the telescope. The mirror was not quite exactly what it should have been. It was built perfectly right, but the specs uh, to build it were incorrect. And as a result, it had flawed vision. Well, NASA set to, and they managed to work out how to repair it in totally oversimplistic terms they fit it with a they fit it with contact lenses and in doing so they restored it to its full health its full optical health and has been sending us back amazing pictures ever since and if one telescope was named by anyone on the planet it would be the hubble space telescope and its results have been outstanding and have done more to popularize the subject of astronomy uh, than probably any other instrument in the history of the subject but turning back to more recent events and things that are taking place in the next few weeks, again, we've had the International Space Station very clearly visible in the evening sky. We've had this wonderful weather and um, hopefully that will continue. Well, the International Space Station is now visible in our morning sky in early May, but we'll be back in the evening skies from roughly the 15th of May. So hopefully the good weather will continue and we'll get to see that transiting our sky from west to east in the early evenings and indeed right through till about midnight. This particular time of year, you can actually get four or maybe five passes in a run, um, which is incredible. And you think they're going all the way around the world and back again in just over an hour and a half. It really is incredible. So start looking for that again from about the 15th of May. Other things going on, we've got the Starlink satellites. Now, these are most impressive. These are these chains of communication satellites that are going to bring high-definition internet services to the whole planet, basically. And these are a chain of satellites. There's going to be hundreds of them up there in the end. And they, there's a bit of concern about them because they are causing uh, some concern to astrophotographers because they are quite intrusive as they cross the sky. But they're most spectacular to look for. And um, pretty well every night, if you get a clear night, when you look up and you see a number of satellites, literally one after the other, like a chain. These are the satellites being launched by SpaceX from Florida to hopefully give uh, internet access to the whole planet. 
and no doubt there'll be a commercial venture launched very, very soon indeed, uh, whereby people can use these instead of their current internet providers. And um, it'll be a fantastic opportunity to have access to the internet from wherever you might be on the globe. Particularly important for people who go to sea, because this has always been one of the biggest problems of seaborne uh, internet access, uh, as I know from my own experiences. Uh, but this chain of satellites will now give us the ability to improve the access of the internet from wherever you might be on the planet, be it on a ship, in an aeroplane, or here in the Isle of Man. Other things going on at the moment is we're getting very excited about the future missions to Mars. Uh, there are a total of, there were meant to be four missions to Mars taking off in the next few months, June and July time. Um, the European Space Agency have now announced that their Franklin um, rover it will not now be launching until 2022 because they've had some problems with it and they're also blaming the, the virus problems, which is probably quite acceptable and unfortunate but better to put it off than to rush it. But that's now not going until 2022. But in the meantime, the United States are launching their Endurance rover, uh, which is a very similar spacecraft to the one they sent to Mars in 2012, Curiosity. But the Chinese are also launching a probe to Mars, as indeed are the United Arab Emirates. The Emirates are entering the space race for the first time on an interplanetary mission, um, and they're launching their HOPE mission to celebrate 50 years since the establishment of the United Arab Emirates. So watch out for that. That will be very exciting. And Mars, of course, visible in the morning sky at the moment, but will be visible in our evening sky from roughly about August onwards. And as Mars heads towards what we call opposition, when it's at its closest to the Earth, that's the time uh, just before opposition when you launch spacecraft to it. That's the easiest way to get there. The most effective means of getting a spacecraft from the Earth to Mars is just before opposition. And these three spacecraft in particular will be reaching Mars in spring 2021. So there'll be lots of news about that and lots of excitement about that, which no doubt we'll be covering in the show over the course of the next few weeks and months. Also last month, we had the flyby of the Bepi Colombo spacecraft. On April the 10th, the Bepi Colombo spacecraft, so named by the European Space Agency for the scientists who worked out the mathematics of how you can use the gravity of a planet to send a spacecraft onto another. Well, the Bepi Colombo mission is flying past the Earth once, Venus twice, and then about four times past Mercury before entering Mercurian orbit in 2025. And this very exciting mission um, will be very much in the news in 2025 and it's only the second time we've put a spacecraft in orbit round Mercury and it'll be fascinating and interesting to find out just how it goes on. Well it went zooming past the Earth to get this gravitational assist from us on April the 10th and um, it doesn't come back to the Earth now because that gravitational assist will sling it into the inner solar system where it will fly past Venus as I say twice before reaching Mercury and it will do a number of flybys of Mercury before settling into an orbit around Mercury in 2025. But the other big news of the month, or which will hopefully take place before the end of next month, is that SpaceX have now set a launch date for the launch of their SpaceX Dragon spacecraft, the manned SpaceX Dragon spacecraft, which will be carrying Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley to the International Space Station. They've set a date of May the 27th. Now this has been delayed for a considerable amount of time, as has the Boeing equivalent of the Starliner spacecraft. And these missions were commissioned by NASA some years ago now to actually send men and women into the into space, in, up to the International Space Station until the Orion spacecraft was ready, which is not scheduled to be launched until about 2022-23 at the earliest. 
So SpaceX and Boeing were each given a contract to launch men and women up to the International Space Station using the Dragon and Starliner spacecraft respectively. Now NASA are very keen to make sure this is as safe as it possibly can be and they've gone through all the technological innovations and they've had test flights and had everything else. Now you may recall they had an abort test of the SpaceX Dragon in January of this year. That was 100% successful so they announced that the first manned launch of a Dragon spacecraft would take place in the second quarter of 2020. Well that has now been set. The date has now been set for May the 27th. That date is not in tablets of stone. It may well be moved a few days. I mean the coronavirus sadly is affecting everything not just life on earth for all of us but even the space exploration is causing problems for people aren't grouping together to build these things and do the testing that they perhaps should do or could do so hopefully um, it will be launched probably quite soon after May the 27th but I'm a better if I'm betting on it it won't be May the 27th it'll probably be early June but watch this space and we'll look out and see when it goes it'll be all over the news at the time but remember you heard it first here on Manx Radio and finally I'd just like to Give a self-plug, if I may. I've actually, because I've been uh, isolated and self-distancing and everything else, um, I usually go into schools at this time of year and give lots of talks to school children, particularly primary school children, about space and what's going on and astronomy. And so what I've done, I've put a few videos on YouTube. So if you want to watch those, they're mainly for children, but there's three up there at the moment. There's one called Our Place in Space, there's one on Apollo 13, and there's one on the moon landings, the whole Apollo program. Very easy to access, just go to YouTube, put Howard Parkin in and find myself there and look for my videos. And if you like them, please let me know what you think. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. And if you have any questions or any queries, please don't hesitate to contact me. Keep safe, keep in and keep looking at the sky. Good night. Thank you to Howard Parkin for this month's edition of the Manx Sky at Night. And if you would like to contact Howard, his email address is howardparkin at manx.net. And Howard is offering a series of online sessions as part of the lockdown learning programme that's being offered by the University College Isle of Man. It's a series of free live sessions to support the community during the COVID-19 pandemic. Howard's series is called The Universe from the Isle of Man. The first session is Monday the 27th of April at 10 in the morning. Each week, Howard will explore a different topic and each session will last for half an hour, including a time for questions and answers. The sessions are delivered via Zoom and probably the easiest way to get all the details is via the University College Isle of Man website, ucm.ac.im. Hashtag UCM Lockdown Learning offers sessions on a big variety of subjects. It's well worth a look. There really is something to interest everyone. And Howard's sessions will be every Monday morning until the end of June. The Nation Station